Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. Welcome back. I'm here again with my good friend Pedro, and we're going to reflect a little bit more and to set the context and tell you what's up for today. I'm going to let Pedro do all of that. Hi, Pedro. Awesome. Hey, man. So, uh, yeah, this this episode, I want to kind of talk about um, the shadow or the darkness or the void or however people experience it um, in the space of creation, because um, in the traditions that we both, um, the spiritual tradition that we both learn from and are guided by, we talk about the uh, the void. And um, I don't know, different people approach it different ways, but I've discovered that depending on where I am in my mind, um, I experience the shadow or the void differently. And uh, one of the ways that I've expressed it or experienced it in my life is the potential for everything, the potential for light or the potential for creativity is like the uncreated, um, unmanifest universe um, is the the void. It can be described as the void. But I think sometimes in our lives and our emotional lives and our experiential lives, we hit these moments that feel like darkness or shadow or void um and we we can't see but at the same time i think surrendering to it um invites in some possibilities and so i've been trying to keep a practice of when i feel down or something like that that i try to connect in my mind that it's also uh the potential for something else to be created and actually um a few days ago uh, my daughter i think I don't know if I mentioned it before, but my daughter was in the hospital and I was um, because she had pneumonia and I was going into some different feelings that were coming up for me. But I also wanted to remember that the light is still there. Um, and if I'm I might not see it, but it's still there. And so I just kind of opened myself to it and um, surrendered to the awareness that I can't protect my children from everything like my brain tries to tell me sometimes. And I ended up writing a poem called A Cloak of Shadows. And uh, I might read it later, but um, essentially it was the idea that we all come into uh, this world shining brightly. And then through our family or experiences, we're handed this cloak of shadows and we put this cloak of shadows on and then only certain parts of ourselves escape that cloak of darkness that surround, surrounds the light that's shining underneath. And that sometimes it shows up as like, you know, historic traumas from our family or all sorts of different things. And um, I kind of was coming from the place of what would it be like to remove that cloak of shadows and just shine? Or if I find myself not shining, be mindful that I just allowed the cloak of shadows to cover me. So that's kind of what I'm working on. That's why I was, I'm ironically excited to talk about the shadows and the darkness um, because out of that feeling, some, um, some, the poem came out, which was really kind of cool. So um, I guess I would ask you the question of when uh, a cloak of shadows shows up for you, um, if that analogy works, um, what do you think would help you or help people, listeners 
remove that cloak of shadows or something like that? <laughs> well, that's a pretty profound question. I mm. just, I, I, I want to, I want to, I will answer the question. I don't want to, I'm not avoiding the question, but I do think it's really interesting to look at the language, seeing as we're sort of loosely framing this around this, the story of creation in Genesis. Mm-hmm. The way, you know, verse two of chapter one of Genesis says, um, it's it's this phrase uh that the earth was tohu vavohu in this translation it says unformed and void mm. and then it says and there was darkness over the on the face of the deep mm-hmm. whatever that means the deep the depths mm-hmm. And the breath of God, or the spirit of God, was sweet, was kind of hovering over the face of the water. Mm-hmm. And I just so I think in those three descriptions, the the unform and the void, the darkness on the face of the deep, and the the spirit of God hovering over the face of the water, you've got a sort of, in a sense, the possibility of 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 creation coming because then the very next thing that happens is god says let there be light and there was light right so there's something about that relationship between darkness and light in the creative process which is essential Mm -hmm. it's essential you cut there is there is no light unless unless we first know darkness right so Mm -hmm. in terms of your analogy of a cloak of shadows this idea that sometimes the the light is so is so hidden but you know if it was all light then there would be no creative process at all, you know. Right. I, I sometimes feel like the the denial of the shadow is about the most dangerous thing that we can possibly experience, either for ourselves or in other people. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm perhaps sometimes too aware of my own shadow, and sometimes I'm probably not aware enough of my own shadow. But when I'm encountering people. Who are kind of denying their shadow, or who sort of say, "Oh, everything's good. It's all light. It's all beautiful. It's all you know." I just don't trust them because I think <laughs> there's something hidden underneath that is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that in that beautiful poem that you shared when we did the the podcast about poetry and the whole idea of of bullets and tears, like in a sense, the the the, the tears can be can be the the shadow or the, the you know the sadness, the grief, the loss, the despair that needs to find expression in the world. And sometimes art in whatever form can be the best expression of that, I think. So for me, when I'm in those places, like, I mean, I I guess on some kind of emotional sense, I'm often, when when I find myself going into those spaces and feeling that cloak of shadows, I, it, it's too easy to, to sort of fall into a kind of sense of malaise and, impotence and inertia and just get into that and that's never helps that just you know it just gets compounded or to go into the whatever stories are in my head that are creating that that sense often you know finding something to do to help another person will certainly help me just in that awareness that there's always um there's always people whose circumstances are way more miserable than mine and and, and doing in, in, in that but but to to get back to our to 
to our theme of creativity, I do, we were talking about it earlier about the sort of, I was going to say compulsion. I don't know if it's a compulsion, but there's this, the, the idea of some kind of creative practice every day. You were talking about, uh, and you can say more about it, but you, your practice around around poetry and poems and sharing poems. But like when I'm in my most sort of whole self, I write every something every day. And there's something about, you know, towards the beginning of the, of the morning, um, or you know, very as close as possible to waking up, just to to writing something down. I think that's about definitely little bits of light emerging through the cloak of shadows. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that was a very long uh, answer that wasn't really an answer to your question. <laughs> I mean, it had. I think it hit on some points, like even like saying doing something for someone else, creating something. Those are all ways um, of being able to outshine the cloak of shadows. And it's something that like I'm training myself to um, just kind of watch and go, okay, this is a part of the process. This is a part of creation. This is a part of it. And I, um, like you said, like the denial of the shadow probably is the most dangerous thing because I think when we deny our own shadow, we only thing we end up doing is projecting it onto somebody else. And then we're like, you know, curse this shadow, but it, we don't realize that it's like that which we put between us and other people that we're using the same light that could create love and illumine the world. We're putting something between um, the light that we're supposed to be and other people. And then we're projecting that shadow onto other folks and then cursing it. Um, whereas if we owned our shadow, we'd be able to say, oh, this is what's happening. And we might even be able to play with our shadow, you know, if we were able to um, keep it in its proper perspective and understand that the light of the of the creator of everything is um, is resident in us as well and at any point in time. So the denial of the shadow, I agree that the denial of the shadow can probably be one of the worst things that we can do because of that effect that we're talking about, about uh, projecting it onto other people. And um, I think like when we're able to kind of be mindful of that and witness that in our own selves, I think the fullness of God's creation becomes more obvious to us. And then we don't even have to feel bad about feeling bad. Because I think we sit up uh, in our society sometimes where people feel bad about feeling bad because we put the illusion out there that everyone should always be happy all the time, grinning all the time, like just everything going swimmingly. Even I don't even know what that saying means, but you know what I mean? Like we think yeah. that's how we're supposed to be. And then when the shadow shows up, instead of being like, oh, here's the shadow, you know, what do I have to learn from it? Or how can I play with it? Or how can this be an invitation to creation? We're trying to get rid of it as fast as possible without learning from it and i mean some then, of the most yeah probably some of the most profound art has come from that place right i mean mm -hmm. you think of some of the world's great paintings poems plays films mm -hmm. i mean it's it's a it's a deep expression of the soul coming out of that of that shadow yeah i guess going back to the void going back to the oneness and the the lightness of creation and the it is good i think god's calling us back to that that stillness 
this like I says, be still and know that I'm God. That stillness that of who we are before we emerge with all these different contingencies. And I think that that's the invitation. And I think that's what even what creation does is when we create something and we um, kind of act as vessels of creation, just as the creator is creative, we, we come back to our true essence. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that that's, that's what it's all about. And we lose track of that. And then we look for somebody to blame or someone to project onto when we don't feel like we belong or we're not living up to our own um, calling as children of the creator. Ultimately it's about, about love, man. And about coming to know ourselves as we are known by the creator. Do you think the creator knows us in our darkness though, or is that darkness not the true essence of who we are? I mean, I think it's a part of the process. Like we're even, we're born in our mother's womb and in our mother's womb is, probably some element of darkness out of which we emerge into this world that we call light. But wasn't it Jeremiah? I think that this uh, God in the, in the Hebrew scripture says like, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Yeah. So like I've asked myself for years, um, who was I before I was formed in my mother's womb? Who was the me that God knew before I was formed? My me that's from the void the formless me like who is the formless me because god knows the formless me as well as the formed me so that's that's our question i live into like all the time yeah I mean, that's really interesting to think of the womb as being like perhaps that space before creation like 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 the form and void mm -hmm. the, you know the yeah i mean i think the womb is presumably an extremely safe place for a, for a fetus to, to grow and receive everything it needs to receive to grow. But yeah, I just wonder whether that in a way birth is like, even though we think of birth about coming out into the light, there's, you know, is it coming from, cause that is of course such a massive act of creation, bringing a child mm -hmm. into the world. Oh, that's complex stuff, man. I just yeah. think that um just want to go back a little bit and, and maybe we should wrap things up pretty soon here. Mm -hmm. But just th this this idea of creativity in terms of the of art and creativity and the, the sorts of things that we're talking about and exploring. I mean, just the idea that great art can come. Because I guess the opposite of being in the in, of, of denying the shadow and, and all of the stuff that you were talking about, the the danger of of projection and 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 the harm that it can do to I mean, the opposite of that is to find a a powerful form through art of expressing that that shadow. And I do I think that I I mean the art that I am most moved by as an audience member or as an observer or as a listener or whatever the art form is, is definitely art where people is, people are um, expressing like real human emotion in all of its messiness mm. and pain. And, and sometimes it's, it's so inspiring, you know, and, and, and when we think of the, the power of empathy, when, you know, if you're, you know, humans, I think feel, we all feel, at times you know disconnected and lonely and, and all of that but mm -hmm. i think the times when we feel most connected are when you 
have a shared experience, which often is an experience of of darkness and shadow. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when art is created that is an expression of that humanness, it's um, it can be very powerful and very connecting. Yeah, I think the sentiment that I get from it, um, why people bond over that, is that the fear of us being alone is really drives us drives us a lot. But then when we are with someone else who knows what it's like to be alone, then we're like we're alone together. Mm-hmm. And so being alone together uh, feels like um, like home, you know. And yeah. I think that that's that's something that we if we're in our most vulnerable state, we allow ourselves to admit. Yeah, being um, alone together. And I think it, for me, the, the most lonely thing is when I'm with another human being who who I can't share that connection with at all, where there's not mm-hmm. a sense of, you know, it's like we're saying, when there's just this sort of like everything's good, if I'm not mm-hmm. feeling that and I'm with someone who's almost kind of judging me for, for not feeling positive or... <laughs> You know, right. then it's like I'd rather be on my own. <laughs> yeah, and that's like programming, man. It's it's really programming. I mean, without getting into being a therapist or anything, it. I think we just get taught that, and we. I've I've written a lot about it. I've preached about it. I don't know how many people hear me because it's not the like fuzzy thing that people want to hear. But um, do you think we have a moment? I can read this cloak of shadows, and we can close out with that. Definitely, let's close with that because okay. I think uh, awesome. I, I just love, without having heard the poem, I, I love, yeah, the, the the phrase of Cloak of Shadows is great. I think that'd be a great way to end. So let's yeah. just say, you know, see you later. And thanks as always for, for the time. I, I love being alone together with you. And uh, and uh, look forward to our, our next time. And yeah, let's close it out with the poem. So a Cloak of Shadows. Uh, We all entered this given world shining ever so brightly until we were handed a cloak of shadows and were taught to take our shining lightly. The shadow cloaks that we are given are all different but the same, put on by people who were born to trust but started lying with our name. They called us a moniker we didn't choose that made them feel a certain way, perhaps a projection of someone's past that we're expected to display. Rather than get to know us and discover who we are, they tell us who we're supposed to be and complain if we stray far. But it's not that I'm trying to blame them. They did what they knew to do because before they projected onto us, they were cloaked in shadows too. They too were forced into a box aimed to maintain society. They believed the lies that were, lies that were told to them before they ever lied to me. Some were told the lie that they were best when compared to other people while some were told that they are worst and must forever work at achieving equal. But both these states are lies. There's no one above or below another. And the truth is there's no shadow here. There's another light that another's light cannot uncover. You see, all of us were meant to shine so that this world won't be in dark. And each of us has the work to do of dissolving shadows with our spark. And so doing, we don't just free ourselves, we free all who came before until the world is filled with shining lights who wear shadow cloaks no more. Beautiful word. Thanks, man. See you next time. See ya. Thank you 
listening to a dash and drush. We will see you next time.